You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu, and on this edition, we're going to be discussing the latest news with regards to Aaron Ramsdale. Arsenal are said to be preparing what they believe will be a decisive bid for the Sheffield United goalkeeper. The Gunners have had a long-standing interest uh, in Aaron Ramsdale throughout the course of the summer. It's looked as though the deal was dead uh, about a week or so ago. It looked as though Arsenal were unwilling to meet the demands uh, tabled by Sheffield United. But Aaron Ramsdale himself is desperate, absolutely desperate, to get this deal done. He wants to join Arsenal Football Club. He wants to return to the Premier League. Of course, Sheffield United were relegated last season with Aaron Ramsdale in between the sticks. And it looks as though this deal might be on again. And in the thumbnail for this podcast, there's a picture of me with my head in my hands. And I suspect already just a week into the season that you're going to be seeing that picture in the thumbnails a lot this season. And I'm really, really struggling. I've got to be honest. I'm, I'm not one to, to criticise signings. I'm not one to be negative necessarily about players prior to them even joining the club. And I'm not one to, you know, go overboard and overreact to stuff that hasn't even happened yet. But I am really, really struggling to get my head around this move, to get my head around why Arsenal at a time where there are a number of positions that need addressing, are willing to spend up to, uh, according to the rumours, £28 million to bring in a goalkeeper that I don't even know or think is better than Bern Leno. A goalkeeper that I don't even know is going to come in and improve the side. Is it that Arsenal are looking at Aaron Ramsdale as a long-term successor for Bern Leno? Because Bern Leno has two years left on his contract. Will Arsenal look to cash in on him next summer? I don't know. But even still, do you have any confidence that Aaron Ramsdale is the man? Do you have confidence that Aaron Ramsdale is the goalkeeper that's going to come in, stake his claim for the position between the sticks and become the next David Seaman or Jens Lehmann or, or any other legendary Arsenal goalkeeper you can think of? Is Aaron Ramsdale cut out for that? And based on what I've seen of him so far, I have to say no. I have to say no. And that sounds really harsh and it sounds really horrible. And I'm almost disgusted at myself for criticising a signing before it's happened. But it really does feel like a silly move to me. And, you know, you guys will know, you guys that watch this and listen to this on a regular basis will know that I am one of the few people nowadays uh, who has some patience remaining with Edu, with Mikel Arteta, with the whole situation at the football club. And even I find myself in this situation really frustrated, really angry, really disappointed, and perhaps more than anything, confused. Confused as to why Mikel Arteta 
and his staff are convinced that Aaron Ramsdale is the answer to Arsenal's goalkeeping issue. We need another goalkeeper, right? So you either go and break the bank and bring in a top-class goalkeeper that improves the starting eleven immediately, or you go and bring someone in, like you brought Matt Ryan in last time around, who is trustworthy, who can be relied upon to do a job when called upon. You do not go and take a gamble of £28 million on somebody like Aaron Ramsdale, who, as far as I'm concerned, so far in his career, has not shown himself good enough to be Arsenal's number one, has not shown himself good enough to be... Everton's number one, let alone Arsenal's number one. So I am really, really struggling to get my head around this one. Am I snapping? I don't know. But it does feel like I'm, you know, this this deal, if it does materialise, if it does progress, if it does happen, will be another example of the gross mismanagement that we are seeing at Arsenal Football Club. Because as fans, we we talk about KSE all the time and we slag them off and there's another protest planned uh, for the weekend, for the game against Chelsea. And we've talked, haven't we, constantly about the need for the ownership to change and how the problems at Arsenal stem right from the very top. But the Cronkies will not be the people identifying some of these players. They'll be making the funds available and Mikel Arteta and Edu and the coaching staff are tasked with identifying those players, making those deals happen and bringing them to the club. And so when we talk about the Cronkies and we slag them off, and I've got 101 reasons why I don't think they're the right people for Arsenal Football Club. However, it's not about money with me. And I know a lot of people, for a lot of people, it is. The first thing that you hear when you go to one of these protests or you're at a game where people are voicing their opinions about KSE is the common phrase of spend some effing money. Money's not the problem. The money that KSE have spent or Arsenal have spent as a football club, it's their football club. They own it. Any money spent by Arsenal is spent by KSE. You spent £72 million on Alexander Lacazette, uh, on Nicolas Pepe, 50 plus on Lacazette, 60 odd on Aubameyang. You know, we've spent 50 just now on Ben White and we're about to go and spend just shy of £30 million on a goalkeeper that most of us don't even think is good enough to dislodge Burn Leno. In which case, what's the point? What's the point in signing somebody like Aaron Ramsdale for £28 million? It's reported by The Athletic that it's £24 million initially followed by £4 million worth of add-ons. And it just seems ludicrous to me. I cannot get my head around it. And if, if Arsenal fail to strengthen in other areas on top of Ramsdale between now and the end of the window, I'll tell you something, all hell is going to break loose because that will not be acceptable. Not be acceptable in the slightest. For £28 million at a time like this, I want a goalkeeper who comes in walks in our team and dislodges Burn Leno because Burn Leno constantly makes mistakes. Burn Leno struggles to play out from the back. Is Aaron Ramsdale going to come in and improve us in that sense? Is Aaron Ramsdale going to come in and make Arsenal more comfortable when playing the ball out from the back? If that's the case, go ahead, do it. But the problem is not me, not you, not anybody is convinced that Aaron Ramsdale is that player, is that person. In fact, very few uh, I've heard have, have been on board with a deal at all. 
let alone for 28 million pounds. And I want to make it clear, right? This is not personal to Aaron Ramsdale. This is not me slagging off Aaron Ramsdale. And in the event that he does join Arsenal Football Club, of course, I will support him. I'll be behind him. I'll be in the stadium. I'll be cheering his name like I do with everybody else. And I want him to succeed. But it's just not an ex, an ex, it's not a signing that excites me. It's not a signing that I can see the logic behind. It's not a signing that I understand. And the figure puts me off of it completely. I've got to be honest. It puts me off of it completely. You know, you talk about some of the sums we've spent on players in recent seasons. It's been crazy. Um, you know, and, and, and a lot of those players have underperformed. And that's largely why Arsenal are in this place where they are at the moment. But, you know, Ramsdale at that kind of money is is one of the more crazy ones, I would say. It's one of the more ludicrous uh, signings that you're going to see Arsenal uh, make or, or have seen Arsenal make in the last few years. And again, stressing the point, it's not. It's not about Aaron Ramsdale. I don't dislike Aaron Ramsdale. I don't have a problem with Aaron Ramsdale. I'm not even saying that he's a terrible goalkeeper. My point here is that at a time where the team needs lots of strengthening, we could do with spending the money elsewhere. And for me, Arsenal could shut me up by going out and spending that money and bringing those players in that we need. And and fair enough, I'll hold my hands up. But I just, I don't understand it. I, I can't get my head around it. I don't see the logic in it. And the question mark around Burn Leno is, is a real one. You know, Burn Leno is somebody that a lot of us look at and say, we could probably do better. He's not necessarily suited to the way we want to play, et cetera, et cetera. But is there any guarantee in your mind that Ramsdale coming in improves us there? I mean, you look at, for example, the signing of um, Thomas Partey, you know, and you looked at our midfield and you went, yeah, he's an upgrade. Do it. 45 million pound. Done. You looked at the signing of Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang at the time, top-class striker, £60 million, do it. It improves us. Sometimes you have to pay the, over the odds. That's the way it is. You know, but this one just confuses me. It baffles me. I don't think that, that Arsenal would be being smart in that instance. And we know that they're looking for a homegrown keeper, right? We know that Matty Ryan's representatives had spoken to the club and that they were told that Arsenal were looking for a homegrown goalkeeper. But surely there's a homegrown goalkeeper for the future because that's what signing Aaron Ramsdale would be. I don't believe that he comes in and uh, and, and dislodges Burn Leno. But surely there's a homegrown goalkeeper out there that Arsenal could pick up, that could come and provide backup to Burn Leno for now with a view to him developing and going on and being the number one that doesn't cost 28 million pounds. It is big, big money. And it is more importantly than that, a big, big risk. Can't get behind this one. Can't get behind this one at all. Um, I, I don't, I don't see it. I don't understand it. I've talked a lot about Arsenal needing to do a rebuild and a rebuild is a, a longer term thing. A rebuild is something that takes years. It's something that will occur over time. But, you know, it's, it's for me, it, it frustrates me when I hear the club talking about them doing all they can and talking about how they had to cut uh, wages, uh, you know, from the players last season and they had to make staff redundant and how difficult a time it is for the football club and the sport in general because of the impacts of the COVID pandemic. I find it really hard to listen to all of that 
and then be told that we're going to spend £28 million on a goalkeeper that we don't think, most of us don't think anyway, improves this Arsenal team. So, yeah, um, really frustrated, uh, really frustrated. And I think, you know, Arsenal's relationship with the fans is so disconnected at the moment. I mean, we, we've talked a lot about it over the last few weeks, you know, Granit Xhaka, this new contract, we've been told by all accounts that it's done, that he signed the contract. But Arsenal haven't announced it. And when they do, if they do, it's probably going to be very low key. I think they are going to say we've taken the option to extend Granit Xhaka's contract, etc., etc., and keep the details very scarce because they will know the backlash that that is going to receive. Now, I don't think that is that bad a decision, as you guys well know. But the point that Arsenal are yet to really announce that or yet to progress with that, yet to show us anything on that or give any official word, tells you that the club at the moment know what the situation is. Um, there's been sort of reports of of the club sources kind of leak into journalists, you know, judge us at the end of the window. We will judge you at the win- end of the window properly. Um, and, and even better still, we'll judge you accurately at the end of the season. But the problem here is that Arsenal have got off to a poor start. Arsenal probably will struggle against Chelsea and Arsenal will probably struggle against Manchester City. And all the time, while you're telling us as a football club to wait until the end of the window, the frustration is growing, the anger is growing, the disappointment is growing, and people are seeing the football club and the team move in the wrong direction. And to me, this transfer would go into that category, along with many others over the years, of Arsenal paying well over the odds for someone who might come good for someone who might do well, for someone who might have the ability to take us forward, not someone who definitely will. And that's why there's a massive disparity between Arsenal and some of the the stronger teams in the Premier League at the moment, because we've taken uncalculated, uh, crazy, poor risks, you know, over the years that have led us to this position. And to me, if you're going to sit and talk about Mustafi, 35 million and Xhaka, 40 odd million and some of the other poor signings we've made, this one would sit, based on my prediction anyway, right up there, right up there. Um, so, yeah, frustrated in case you didn't realise already. And, and as I say, this is not normally me. You know, I normally want to give players a chance. I normally want players to prove me wrong, but... I just, I'm looking at this and I just, whatever way I look at it, whatever angle I come at it from, I can't see the logic and I can't understand why Arsenal were doing this. Why was it reported last week that Arsenal walked away from the negotiation table and now they've come back because Aaron Ramsdale wants to move? Of course he wants to move. He plays for Sheffield United with all due respect. Of course he wants to move. But for me, it just doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense at all. Let's uh, take this super chat uh, from Wayne. And while I do that, guys, get your questions in the chat box. I'll take as many of them as I possibly can between now and the end of the live stream. Uh, Don't forget to drop the video a like as well. And please, uh, as well, if you haven't done so already, subscribe to the channel if you're new. If you want to go that one further and become a member, you can do so by clicking on the link in the description. We'd love to have you for sure. Uh, let's quickly check in on the likes. Let's see where we're at at the moment. We are currently on uh, 34, 34 
but we've only got uh, no. Yeah, we've only got 34, but we've got 277 of you watching. So please do hit that like button. Let's get as close to 100 as we possibly can. Right, let's take this one from uh, Wayne, who says, can you name a better homegrown goalkeeper that Arsenal should sign? Well, why can't we sign Sam Johnston from West Brom? Why can't we go after him? You know, why can't we test their resolve? You're talking about a goalkeeper who was better than Ramsdale in the Premier League last season. Okay, he's 28 years old. He's a little bit older, but goalkeepers can go to 33, 34 and and be at the best level still quite comfortably. You're talking about a goalkeeper who wouldn't cost anywhere near that. Um, But to kind of highlight how badly we are paying over the odds for Aaron Ramsdale, you only need to look at the two players' values according to transfer mark. Now, I know, and I've said this before, the valuations of transfer mark are not um, are not gospel, right? But to give you an idea of how these two players are ranked, okay, and and valued, Aaron Ramsdale is valued at ten point eight million pounds, ten point eight million pounds, and Sam Johnston is valued at seven point two million pounds. Now, the only reason there's a difference in the valuation between those two goalkeepers is because. Aaron Ramsdale is younger. Aaron Ramsdale is 23 years old and Sam Johnston is um, 28 years old. So that means that by default, the valuation is going to be slightly different because one has more years ahead of him, et cetera, et cetera. But for me, you're talking about bringing in a backup goalkeeper here. That's what Arsenal need this summer. We need a backup goalkeeper. We don't need... well. You could say we do need the number one. You know, I, I I think we do need the number one. I think we can upgrade on Burn Leno. But that's not an upgrade. Aaron Ramsdale is not an upgrade. So why not spend £28 million, go out on the continent and pick yourself a top quality goalkeeper, bring him to the club and push Burn Leno to number two. And when he wants to go, you let him go and you promote someone from within or you bring someone in of a profile where they're willing and understanding and accepting of the place of their place as Arsenal's number two. I just don't see what the fuss is about this one. I, I really don't. But Wayne, thank you uh, very much for your kind super chat donation, mate. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, let's see what else we've got here. Let's see uh, what you guys are saying. Um, Michael Grayson says, do stats matter? If they do, Ramsdale finished third in the league in goalkeeper stats per 90 last season. Goalkeeping stats are very misleading, very misleading, because we always hear this stat about this goalkeeper and that goalkeeper made the most saves over the course of the season. Well, actually, the reason they made the most of the most saves over the course of the season is because they were playing in a crap team, a team that never had the ball, a team that were constantly under pressure. That's exactly what Aaron Ramsdale was doing last season. Did he make more saves than some of... Um, some of the other goalkeepers in the league, absolutely. But that was because he needed to. So for me, um, that is a little bit misleading, I've got to say. Um, let's see what else we've got here. Jake Walker says, I love this. Apparently, Arsenal fans will be happy with Sam Johnston as number one. No, Nobody's saying they want Sam Johnston as number one. What we're saying is, if Arsenal are looking to plug that hole, bring in another goalkeeper to compete with Burn Leno for the time being, then go and get someone for seven, eight million pounds who is a capable deputy to burn Leno, 
And then you can address that problem next summer once you've addressed all the other issues that this team have. And as you continue the rebuild, what we are saying here is when there are so many gaping holes in the team and so many problems and so many issues that need resolving, how on earth can you justify spending £28 million on a goalkeeper who is not even better than the one we currently have? I don't. How much did Bernd Leno cost? He didn't cost that. And Bern Leno was a German international goalkeeper coming from a, a big club in Germany to join us. Bern Leno cost Arsenal twenty-two million pounds, and now we're talking about signing Aaron Ramsdale for way more than that. It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Uh, Afterling says uh, I wouldn't take Ramsdale for free. Um, Carrie says if he's too expensive, why not live? With Renarsson, well, Renarsson is simply not good enough. I think we can all agree on that. Renarsson hasn't done enough at Arsenal to show that he is uh, he is capable of playing at that level. And I think most of us would be dead against the idea of him starting in goal for Arsenal in any competition, in any game. The problem is here, uh, Carrie, that Arsenal have to make a decision. And the decision has to be, do I go out and get a top goalkeeper who can compete with Bern Leno with a view to that goalkeeper becoming our number one, possibly from next season, but also being at a level right now where they're good enough to dislodge Bern Leno straight away. And if they do that fair play, they keep their place. Or are Arsenal looking at this as one of those situations and one of those areas and, and positions that we can kick the can down the road on and say, Right, let's plug the hole like we did last year with Matt Ryan and then we can worry about it after and we can do it properly. Because I'd rather Arsenal did that than went big and made the wrong call. And I think that Aaron Ramsdale, in my humble opinion, is the wrong call. I don't, I haven't seen anything from Aaron Ramsdale and I've gone, yeah, I'd love him to be Arsenal's number one. There are other goalkeepers that I've looked at over the years and felt that way, uh, felt that way about. I, I don't feel that way about Aaron Ramsdale. I've got to be honest, it, it doesn't make sense to me. Uh, let's see uh, what else we've got. Uh, Stephen Andrews says, uh, have you seen the AFC Bells tweets uh, about Madison? Now, I'm getting quite uh, fed up of looking at those, to be honest. Um, you know, first of all, I don't understand um, why they're in a different language. Um when they're then translated into perfect English. I don't know why they do that. Uh, but anyway, I, I can't read them without doing the translate, as I'm sure with many of you guys. Um, but yeah, apparently Arsenal will ramp up their efforts this week and the remainder of the summer transfer market in their bid to sign James Madison. Official communication between the clubs is expected to gain upward momentum very soon. The player is anticipating the outcome of the conversations with a high degree of interest. I don't think it's happening. I, I really don't. I I don't see it getting done. I don't see Leicester wanting to sell him. And if they do, they're going to demand the kind of price that Arsenal can't afford. Hey, maybe we could afford it if we didn't go and pay £28 million for Aaron Ramsdale. I don't know. But I'm in a bit of a mood about it all today. I've got to say, you're probably noticing it. It's probably coming through in the podcast. But I'm not getting carried away by the Madison talk. We've been there, done that over the course of this summer, maybe two or three times now. I don't think that deal is going to happen. I've got to be honest. Um, what else have we got? <laughs> Matt Jesus. I'll translate it for you, Harry. Uh, Arsenal like Madison. That's it. We like the player. Nothing new. Yeah. 
And there are a lot of accounts on Twitter kind of making a big uh, splash based on um, based on kind of recycling the same information over and over again. Uh, Kebab Abdi says, uh, why are we insisting with the homegrown quota, Harry? Are we trying to field a full English squad or what? Yeah, I don't get this either. I'm not bothered what nationality our players are. You know, I don't care if they're from Australia. I don't care if they're from England. I don't care if they're from Italy, Germany, Spain, France, Portugal, whatever you want. I couldn't care less. Genuinely couldn't care uh, less about where the squad is from. Obviously, there are restrictions that need to be met. You know, Arsenal need to have a certain amount of homegrown players, as does everybody else. But it does feel like we're going massively heavy on this homegrown thing. And I don't understand why. Because what happens when you go after homegrown players is you pay over the odds. <coughs> Apologies. Sorry about that. What happens when you go for homegrown players is you pay over the odds. We talk about that English premium all the time and Arsenal seem willing to pay that for homegrown players. And I don't get it. There are better goalkeepers than Ramsdale in Europe that won't cost £28 million. There were better centre-halves in Europe than Ben White that wouldn't cost £50 million. Yet Arsenal seem to be insistent on going down this route this summer, and I really don't understand it. If you want to get the best value for your money, you need to find that right balance of, yes, having your homegrown players so that you meet the quota, but being able to identify talent from other leagues, from other countries, from other clubs who are in weaker financial positions. There's no point in going and knocking on Leicester City's door and looking to get a bargain on James Madison. It's not going to happen. Sheffield United, they're in that position where they've just been relegated and they're going to get those parachute payments and, and all of that jazz that comes from the Premier League when you fall out of it. So they, again, are not in a position where they desperately need to sell. And so they're going to squeeze as much out of you as they possibly can. Weird, weird. Um, Hackney Man says, I don't know anything about Ramsdale. Genuinely, what makes him a bad keeper? So I'm going to give you my view on Aaron Ramsdale. And I appreciate that I don't watch Aaron Ramsdale every single week, right? I'm not a liar. Um, I'm not going to say that I I do. Um, you know, I, I've watched him on multiple occasions, of course, but not um, not anywhere near as much as maybe uh, some of us have, but this is my kind of observation on him. And it's a simple one. I don't think he's one of those goalkeepers that you can take, uh, great confidence in, in terms of his presence. I think he's a good shot stopper as are all keepers or they should be anyway, but I don't think his distribution is that great. I don't think he is, uh, commanding enough in certain situations. And I guess you just get a look of a goalkeeper. And for me, the way I judge a goalkeeper is, First of all, does he make great saves that keep me in the game, obviously? And then do I feel comfortable with that goalkeeper? If I were a centre-half playing in front of him, would I feel confident that he's going to do the basics right? And I think Ramsdale makes mistakes. I don't think Ramsdale is that that different to Burn Leno in terms of the style of goalkeeper. And it's clear that that style of goalkeeper is not really working for us. It's not working from a defensive point of view because he's conceding silly goals, but it's also not working in terms of our ability to play out from the back, our distribution. And people say that Ramsdale's distribution is good. I don't think Ramsdale's played in a team yet that have got such an emphasis on playing out from the back. So I think he's untested 
in that. I really do. Um, Alex says Ramsdale made more mistakes leading to goals than Leno. He's error prone and a mediocre shot stopper. Why sign a player who conceded over 120 goals in two seasons? Um, let's see what else we've got. Uh, so lots of you talking about Conte in Conte. We'd love to have, um, Antonio Conte, but it ain't going to happen, is it? It's just not going to happen. R928 says, use your platform to say how shit our transfer market has been and that another week has gone and we're worse than last season. Look, until we get a couple more players in, then this window has to be looked at as a failure uh, because I like the look of Lekonga, but is he going to take us to a next level this season? Unless, you know, unless he really sets the place on fire. No, he's not. Is um, is Ben White going to transform our defence or improve it further than what it already improved under Mikel Arteta? That's one of the things you do have to give him credit for. We've lost David Luiz. Is he right now, today, better than David Luiz? Not sure. Not sure. Not on not on Friday's evidence anyway. But obviously we're gonna have to uh, we're gonna have to see how he develops. But this is the problem um, with Arsenal. It's that everything's like maybe, everything's for the future at the moment. Everything's got a question mark in front of it. And I want guarantees. I want Arsenal to go out and buy me a player who definitely improves the team straight away from the off. And even the signing that we spent £50 million on, Ben White, there's no guarantee that he will be better this season than David Lewis was last season. And that might sound harsh. And maybe there is too much pressure on Ben White because he's come into this side for the price that he's come in for. People have been talking in the aftermath of the Brentford game about how he's better suited to a back three. Well, it doesn't look like we're going to play with a back three. It doesn't look like that's what Mikel Arteta wants to do. And so he's going to have to adapt. And if that was the case, that Ben White is much more suited to a back three and much more... Um, comfortable in that position, then what the hell did we sign him for? I, I always say as a manager, you need to have your system and then you need to go out and you need to get the players in that suit your system, that complement your system. Will there be times where as a manager, you have to bend your values and, and your philosophies to get the maximum out of your team? Absolutely. But we're talking about a rebuild at Arsenal and we're talking about Arsenal providing Mikel Arteta uh, the opportunity to go out and bring players. Arsenal said to Mikel Arteta, you can go bring in a £50 million centre-half. And he and Edu went after um, Ben White. So if that doesn't work out, then then that's on them. You know, that's on them. But it just, it, it just feels like the longer the window goes on, the more nervous, the more tetchy I'm getting about where how it's going to end up. But I didn't really have a massive issue with the idea of signing Ben White, I thought in theory it was a good signing. I thought that Lokonga was a good signing. And I thought the idea of bringing Tavares in for eight, nine million pounds, whatever it was, also made perfect sense given that we need left back cover. So I'm not up in arms about those deals, but it was clear that we needed more. And if that more is Aaron Ramsdale, then I'm disappointed. And I can't help but feel like that. Uh, I really can't. Uh, Craig Tanner says, in my opinion, we should return to a back three for Chelsea. And going forward, what's your starting lineup with the available players we have for that formation? Yeah, um, I think a back three is an option. I think when you look at who we have fit and available at the moment, I think this is the way I'd do it. I'd go with Leno in goal. I'd go with a back three of Ben White on the right side of the defence 
Pablo Marie would be my central defender. And then I'd probably tuck Kieran Tierney in uh, as the left-sided centre-back. I'd push Nuno Tavares out onto the left wing. I think he's got the physicality and the pace and the speed and the kind of uh, those sort of attributes in order to be able to get up and down that flank. I think he can cause people problems in the opposition's half. In midfield, I'd go with Xhaka and Lokonga again, uh, just because obviously Partey's not available. Then I'd go with Smith-Rowe. Would I go with Smith-Rowe? I'm trying to work out the numbers in my head. Yeah, I'd go with Smith-Rowe. If Aubameyang and Laka are out, then Smith-Rowe, Pepe and... Uh, I guess you got to go Martinelli. I guess you got to go Martinelli. Does that, let me, let me just uh, run through that again in my head because I'm doing this on the spot and I'm trying to make sure I haven't put too many players in there uh, with the change of formation. No, so I'm going with a goalkeeper in Bern Leno. I'm going with a back three of Pablo Marie uh, in the middle, Kieran Tierney on the left and Ben White on the right. At left wing back, I'm going for Nuno Tavares. Right wing back, I'll go for, probably go for Hector Bellerin in that system. Then I'd go Xhaka, Lokonga. Um, then I'd go Smith-Rowe. And then I'd go Pepe Martinelli. That's what I'd go with. That is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven players. There you go. Got there in the end. Yeah, that's what I'd go with. Um, in that system and in that formation. And I don't, I'm not against him doing that. And I think he, um, I think he, I think for me, he has quite often reverted to that system when it comes up against the big sides. And I wouldn't rule him out of doing that again. I think he might have done that against Chelsea anyway, uh, regardless because I think when you play against that system, you can be overrun if you don't match up. And I think Mikel Arteta is smart enough to realise that we're not going to be able to match up uh, with Chelsea. Um, or Sorry, that if we don't match up with Chelsea, we'll have a lot of problems. So I think that's what he would do, yeah. I think he might well go to the back three. I think you might see that at the weekend. Just a quick reminder, if uh, you don't know already, this podcast is brought to you by manscaped.com for all your male grooming needs. So if you want to uh, give yourself some TLC down there, make sure you head over to the website, manscaped.com, enter the discount code 90min20, and you'll get 20% off of your order as well as free shipping. Um, It really, really does um, make a difference. It's a fantastic product and I promise you, your partner will thank you if you get involved. So I was trying to think of the right words there to not make it sound too cringe. Manscaped.com, discount code 90min20 and you get 20% off. Uh, Right, let's see uh, what you guys are saying in the chat. Lots of you uh, disputing my Bellerin shout. Well, first of all, I don't think Callum Chambers is a right wing back. He's barely a right back in my opinion, let alone a right wing back. I think Bellerin would benefit from playing in that system where he doesn't necessarily have to drop back so much. I think with Bellerin, um, he is more of a wing back than Callum Chambers is. I think it's as simple as that. You could put Cedric in there as well, if you like. I think Cedric is is someone who could play that role as well. But Callum Chambers, I think he looks uncomfortable in certain areas of the pitch. And as a right wing back, you're likely to be asked to get forward 
And, and I think that Bellerin is better suited to that. Honestly, I do. Um, I don't think Bellerin's anywhere near as bad as people make him out to be. I think that he suffers from the fact that all our play is down the left-hand side and through Kieran Tierney. And that means that the right-back role at Arsenal has changed. And Bellerin just doesn't really fit in with that. But if Tierney in my team was slotting in as one of the centre-backs, one of that back three, then I wouldn't mind um, seeing... Uh, seeing Bellerin play that role and seeing how he gets on. Uh, some people are suggesting Ainsley Maitland-Niles at right wing back. That's a decent shout as well. But Ainsley Maitland-Niles tells us he doesn't want to play at right wing back. Ainsley Maitland-Niles wanted to go out on loan and play Sam Allardyce ball for half a season because he didn't want to play right wing back or right back. So what's the point? You know, he doesn't want to play there. Um, and, and that's that. Uh, Christian says that uh, Harry with the coaches we've had recently, they went out to buy the players that suit their system. Now we're stuck with those players, meaning how problem has been appointing a quality coach. Yep. Um, fair point. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, lots of people saying I wouldn't play the right. I wouldn't play better in that right back because he wants to leave. Well, he's not going anywhere at the moment because Arsenal are playing hardball. Arsenal are not willing to entertain any of the offers that have come in, any of the conversations that have been held or that clubs have proposed uh, about Hector Bellerin's future. And so he's here. And I still think that in a wing-back situation, he's better than Chambers as a wing-back. Maybe not as a right-back, but as a wing-back, he certainly is. Ainsley Maitland-Niles has repeatedly said he doesn't want to play as a wing-back or as a right-back. And so what do you do? Do you throw him in? I mean... What's the difference between someone who doesn't want to play there and someone who might leave? That's two players whose heads are not in that position for me. So why not choose or why choose Maitland-Niles necessarily over Bellerin? I don't know. Um, but that's that's my view. I know you guys disagree with it and that's absolutely fine. Uh, what else have we got? Pick out a couple more comments before we leave. Uh, Schwama Gaming says, Harry, how do you feel if we line up with a back three? We've already discuss this but his lineup is Leno in goal White holding and Kieran Tierney and then he's got Maitland Niles Lakonga Xhaka and Saka interesting and then he's got a Mill Smith Row Pepe and Gabby yeah decent decent quite like that uh what else have we got um let's see let's see let's see um GB says Ainsley Maitland-Niles has publicly said he's willing to play at fullback for Arsenal this season. He's just said that he's willing to play wherever the boss asks him, like every single player does in an interview. He's not going to come out, is he, uh, in a post-match interview or pre-match interview or whatever and say, now, you know what? Tell Hector Bellerin, he can do, uh, tell Mikel Arteta he can do one. I don't want to play right back. I don't want to play right wing back. But he obviously doesn't because he's moaned about it on numerous occasions throughout his career. And he chose to go and play for West Brom over Leicester, over Southampton at the back end of last season because of that very reason, because Sam Allardyce guaranteed him game time in midfield. So come on, let's not be naive and fall for sort of Ainsley Maitland-Niles saying, you know, I'll do whatever job the manager asks of me. What is he going to say publicly? His actions and his comments in the past, which we have now got the benefit of hindsight when looking back on all point to the fact that he doesn't want to play uh, as a, as a fullback or as a wingback. Um, you know, and, and JG says that we're making him a scapegoat. No, I'm not making him a scapegoat, but I just think with Ainsley Maitland-Niles, he's at a place in his career where he has to just make his bloody mind up. You know, 
Do you want to be an Arsenal player? If you do, you've got a much better chance of doing that as a right back or a right wing back. Because in my opinion, and I'm sure in the opinion of many others, that is his best position. He's not commanding enough in the midfield. He's not physical enough. He's not uh, technical enough, I don't think. I don't think he's progressive enough. Whenever I've seen Ainsley Maitland-Niles in midfield, I have never been convinced. I've never come away saying, yeah, um, you know, he had a good game tonight and I think he deserves a chance in midfield. I've, ne I've never had that. Um, never had that at all. Uh, what else have we got? What else have we got? You know what? We'll pick uh, one more question before we leave it. Uh, Lewis Cooper says, still thinking we'll challenge for the top six, Harry. Um, I'm not, I've not changed my prediction for the season based on one game. Um, if that's what you're asking me, my prediction that Arsenal will challenge for the top six remains. Uh, you know, I don't think we can, we can necessarily um, draw too many conclusions from the fact that we lost at Brentford. Look, it was a disappointing night. It was a disappointing game, disappointing performance, not helped by the fact that we had to change the team at the last minute. We read reports, didn't we, that there was loads of COVID stuff going on in the background as well. And Arsenal had to have tests and there was rumours that the game may have been called off. Obviously, that doesn't all help. And it's not me making an excuse for Arteta or Arsenal on the night. I thought they were poor and deserved to lose. But, you know, it's one game in the season and we will... See, you know, if we do do the business that I believe will improve us between now and the end of the transfer window, then the outlook is very different, isn't it? And I don't think you can, if you made a conclusion or you made a decision uh, or a prediction, I should say, at the start of the season, I don't think you can go too far off that just off the back of one result. I think you should probably uh, give it a bit more time to kind of reassess that. Let's see uh, what else have we got. And this is this is a really good point before I leave it. Uh, Jeffrey O'Hara says, what is so baffling is the fact that our right back gets to play as a de facto centre midfielder with the underlapping system we have been playing. And that should, in theory, be right up Ainsley Maitland-Niles' alley. Exactly. Exactly. That is a fantastic point. And that is why Ainsley Maitland-Niles should be more open to playing that position. And if Arsenal do switch to a back three and he's willing to do that, I think he could be a regular. I think he could play every week. I think he could be part of Mikel Arteta's starting eleven. So it's something for him to consider for sure. Um, and if he's willing to do it, then why not give him a chance? He's shown he can do a decent enough job there in the past, but his unwillingness to do that or his desire to play in centre midfield has always been this problem for us. And it's always caused a little bit of a standoff, hasn't it, between Mikel Arteta and Ainsley Maitland-Niles. He was happy to do it when Arteta came uh, came to the club initially, probably to prove himself, probably to get himself in the manager's good books. But as time's gone on, that issue of his playing position has resurfaced again. Uh, it's come to the forefront again. And this time around, it feels like we're at a bit of a crossroads now. Either get on with it, deal with it, do it, play there, or we move you on. Um, and it's as simple as that for me. It really is. But anyway, somehow we got onto Ainsley Maitland-Niles uh, off the back of my impromptu team. Now, if I am going to talk a lot more about that back three and what I would do in that situation against Chelsea uh, in the preview for that match. But I, I haven't thought about it in this show. It was off the cuff. It was a question that came in from the chat box. And so um, we'll discuss that in a little bit more detail and we'll... We'll talk about what may or may not happen and how maybe Arsenal 
would best be able to to match Chelsea and try and nullify their threat at Emirates Stadium on Sunday. So lots more to come this week. And I talked earlier, didn't I, that I, I, I talked about the fact that I was going to do a, an episode on Edu, on Vinay, on, on all of those guys. And we were going to talk about where the blame really lies for Arsenal's demise. And I did have that all scheduled. Those of you who had tuned into the stream prior to it starting would have seen the thumbnail. It was all made for that. Uh, and then the Ramsdale news came. So we changed the gear um, and shifted the podcast into that direction. But we will be doing that episode uh tomorrow now so more to come on that and i'm sure that's going to be one that sparks plenty uh, of debate uh just finally as well adam chisholm says any thoughts on doing weekly q a's yep in the pipeline uh in the pipeline because once the transfer window dies down of course there's going to be a lot less to talk about on a daily basis and so we're going to focus a little bit more on questions uh rather than reacting to news because of course there'll be less of it uh so don't worry that's in the pipeline Right. I'm going to leave it there. I'll catch you all very soon. Until next time, take care of yourselves and uh, see what happens with this Ramsdale stuff. Cheers. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon.